Welcome to The Lowdown, KMXT's new daily show dedicated to giving you the up-to-date information we have available on the COVID-19 outbreak and how it's impacting life on Kodiak Island. The Lowdown will focus on the facts as provided to us by local and state officials. During the show, we give you access to local officials and experts on COVID-19 and community actions related to it. If you have questions for our guests, please email them to lowdown at kmxt.org or call KMXT at 486-3181. You can find a list of upcoming guests on our Facebook page or on our website, kmxt.org. Audio from each day's program will be posted on the website. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in today. It is Thursday back in April, May, and June. That was the day we reserved as Mental Health Thursday, or we called it Silver Lining Day. We all recognized there was a lot of uncertainty being carried along with the impending arrival of the virus, and that in turn was creating all kinds of social issues and mental health issues that our community was struggling to cope with. We partnered up with a variety of mental health counselors, substance abuse counselors, trainers, and coaches and other folks from the community who talked about what was going on from their professional perspective and often gave us tips on how to move forward and in many cases where and when to go seek help. After a few months, we thought we pretty much covered what we needed to be covered. And kind of in the background, we thought maybe this thing was going to sort of die down. But uh, we gave it a rest for a little while and we thought, well, if there was a need in the future to bring back Silver Lining Day it, that we would do so, and it now seems to be a pretty appropriate time to revive it, doesn't it? The virus is still with us. The social issues seem to be getting more acute as time go by, goes by, and pandemic fatigue seems to become a buzzword of the day. For today, then, we're bringing back, well, at least one for the time being. Heidi Barrett from the Kodiak Community Health Center is in. We're expecting Dr. Wyszynskis to come in. Uh, we had Samantha Marler from Canna, uh, had had a cancellation due to uh, too many clients. So it's Heidi and I today. I think we have enough things to talk about, though. But if you have questions, please give us a call or shoot us an email, lowdown at kmxt.org, 486-3181, and we'll try and get your question answered during the show. Phone's ringing now. Heidi, morning. Thanks for coming in. You're welcome. Glad to be here. And uh, having the opportunity to see you, you know, the first thing that I'm uh, noticing is that the surroundings have changed quite a bit from um, where we were at back in June, you're now back in your office. That's correct. Um, my coworker and I, Mantu Johnny, are both back in the clinic full time and seeing patients face to face. That's a, that's a pretty significant change. I mean, you, we were all tele-training, tele, tele tele-treatment back in April and May. And that was yeah. an, a new challenge for you. Yep. And not one that I think people were thinking was going to be very successful. You know? And that's interesting because actually I think it has been successful. Um, I think people kind of fall um, on one side or the other of that. Um, they either 
really um, embrace telemedicine or they don't. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, I even, being, even being in the clinic, I'm still seeing um, a number of patients via uh, telehealth. I, I remember you actually saying that, that it, it was an advantage for some people because they felt more comfortable doing it uh, from a distance. So Yes. And it really worked out for people and is still working out for people who have children at home uh, because there are still people who are doing uh, either homeschooling or doing virtual school. Um, so that makes it much more convenient for them to be able to um, to do a tele telehealth visit rather than trying to come into the clinic. So when did they make the decision to move you into the clinic and how do you, what kind of precautions do you have to take to be able to, to do a person to person visit? So um, the precautions are the same as if you were going to the grocery store, <laughs> you, you have to uh, wear a mask. Um, so when you have an appointment at the clinic, uh, we have our patients call in from our parking lot. And once they call in and we see where they are as far as their appointment time, we tell them to come to the door. We have a um, medical assistant at our door who takes their temperature and also does the COVID questions about uh, symptoms. And if the person temperature is under 100.3 and uh, they don't have any symptoms, then they are allowed to come into the clinic and they need to wear a mask. We have, um, of course, hand sanitizer all over the place. Uh, we encourage people to have good hand hygiene and um, to keep a social distance. So when we're actually in our, our um, appointment, we're sitting six feet apart from each other. So your work day, your work schedule has changed quite a bit, though. You're still doing, uh, you're, you're on and off every other week. Is that right? No. So we did do that for a few weeks. Um, I want to say from about the middle of June until the beginning of September. And then we came back into the clinic full time in September. So you do the tele-treatments tele uh, in the clinic mm -hmm. instead yes. of at the home. Yeah, we can do that, and we can also do face-to-face -face appointments. Well, so how are we doing, Heidi? Well, um, I think we're probably doing the best we can with what we have. So um, <laughs> <laughs> by that I mean, you know, in any situation, um, there are going to be people who are able to deal with what's going on and, and do that well on their own. Um, a lot of that has to do with um, practicing good self-care, um, you know, taking care of yourself, doing things that uh, keep you healthy mentally and physically. Um, and then there are other people who need some help uh, navigating what's happening. And there has been an increase um, in the patients that I'm seeing who have um, anxiety and or depression. Uh, some of that is related directly to the coronavirus and some of it's not, but there has definitely been an increase in the number of people we're seeing. 
Now, for those who aren't familiar with how the services are of how services are available and how the the different clinics in town interact, can you can you tell people you know if what services are available through your outfit and how you interact with Providence and Canna? Okay, um, so we have a very collaborative relationship with Providence and Canna. Um, so in our clinic, we practice what is called brief interventions. So that means that normally we will see a patient for a short period of time and also for a short number of visits. So our appointments are usually 30 minutes long. There are, of course, exceptions to that. Um, and we usually see a patient between one and eight times. Um, if during the course of meeting with a patient, we find by talking to each other that uh, perhaps they need more intensive um, therapy or some type of specialty therapy that we don't offer here at the clinic, then we will refer them to either Tana and or Providence based on the person's preference. And, um, and then we will stay with that patient through that referral process because um, right now uh, services are at a premium and uh, there is a wait list at both places. I'm not so sure what the wait list is at Canna, but I do know at Providence, the wait list right now, I believe is about two weeks out. So do you operate the same way that Canna does? I remember when Samantha was talking about this before, that in, in, in the Canna environment, there's a person that calls and specifically wants mental health services. And mm -hmm. there's also some referrals from the physicians at Canna for a person to go have those services at the same time. Now, does the same thing happen at KCHS where, did I blow that deal? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Community Health Center, KCHC. <laughs> I need help. Uh, <laughs> I have appointments available, Mike. So. You do? <laughs> so I get a senior discount? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if eight sessions would be enough for me. Uh, <laughs> um, if, does somebody call and say, you know, I, I need to talk to Heidi and the gang over there? Or do they go in and see the doctors and the nurses and the doctors and the nurses then say, you need to go talk to Heidi. Yes. Both those. So it, work, it works both ways. Uh, patients can call in and schedule their own appointments and or when they're actually in the clinic seeing their medical provider, they might say, you know, as we've been talking, I just think maybe it would be good for you to talk to our behavioral health specialist and then they will come and get myself and or my coworker. And we will go in and meet with the patient right then and there, and then talk to them about setting up future appointments. So Sometimes, interestingly enough, just going in for that initial contact can be very helpful to a person. Because sometimes people have things that are pressing like right now. And what, what's your backlog? Um, actually, I don't have a backlog. 
I don't think my coworker has a backlog right now either. So we're able to see quite a few people and to see them almost immediately. Well, that that's really good to know because I thought we had a kind of a press on resources. Or res- well, we do have a press on resources and that's why I think KCHC and also the part of Canada that you were talking about that Samantha is involved with, um, we can provide those sort of immediate services. It's the more longer term services or what we like to call specialty therapy that has the larger backlog. Just because there's so much of a demand for it and we only have so many therapists in town that are able to do those kind of services. That's correct. So yeah. what, what alternative do those people have other than to sit and wait? Well, so interestingly, the alternative they have is um, our clinic is one of them. But also because of this upsurge in telehealth, uh, now they can they can go online or I've even had people call me for you know, some direction and referrals to telemedicine um, and they can get uh, services that way. So um, like I said earlier, not everybody has totally embraced the whole telemedicine thing, but for many people it works really well. At what point is it, what, when do you make the assessment that somebody needs more than eight sessions? I mean, that they need more um, in, intense therapy than you can provide in the eight-week session or eight-session. Yeah. So sometimes it's, um, it's people who have um, more critical mental health issues. So that might be like bipolar disorder, uh, schizophrenia, uh, extreme trauma, PTSD, those would be some of the, the more common ones. Um, but sometimes as we're working with a person, it through that conversation, it may come across that they feel they need something more. Or there might be a special type of treatment that we don't offer here that they can get at either CANA or PKICC. Okay. Now, specifically, let's let's start talking about the the pandemic, the virus. You know, um, in, in a normal year, you know, you you probably have a pretty good grasp on the type of behaviors that you 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 deal with, kind of on an everyday basis. Are we seeing new things that you you that are that are new? you know, think things that you didn't anticipate having to deal with before? Um, that's a good question. And I would say there probably is some of that. Um, uh, people are finding it very difficult to, um, to continue to uh, be socially isolated. And there's conflicts around that. I've had um, some people who have conflicts within the family about um, uh, wearing a mask or not wearing a mask or, or going out to social things, um, not like big parties, but things like going to church, 
whether or not they should attend church, um, you know, actually instead of virtually. Right. Um, um, so that's one thing. I think kids are having a really tough time. I didn't really realize the impact um, that uh, going to school virtually was having on, on kids, but I've seen a few kids in the last few months who are really struggling with that um, type of teaching. It's just not working for them and um, is causing them to uh, feel hopeless and feel depressed and feel like they're not making any progress. Um, and then there's the whole thing for kids about being socially isolated from their classmates. And that causes a whole nother uh, set of um, behaviors and circumstances. So collectively, the, the treatment experts in town, is there collaboration between you and the hospital and Canna about um, these type of issues, you know, and whether as a community we're seeing new behaviors that uh, need your type of intervention? Um, you know, there hasn't been a lot of collaboration on that level. Um, and when you asked that question, I was thinking, so why is that? So I guess because it's a little harder now to come together in a group. Um, we could certainly do that um, on a Zoom format, but I don't think anybody has really thought about that. I think for the majority of us and myself included, um, we're just trying to navigate how we're providing services um, and, and how to keep that moving forward. I asked it because I know when the doctors come in, they often talk about these meetings they have on a kind of a weekly basis where they all get together and they talk about what's going on and how their resources are going to be compatible with everybody. I just wondered whether, um, because I remember when Jody came in well, from the Coast Guard that they talked about that as part of the a subgroup of the ESC, I think, Mm -hmm. where we were talking about these social issues, but now are you all commonly, um, because what, what troubles me is some of these numbers that we see coming out that's, that, I mean, I would assume most people are pretty profoundly affected by this pandemic. You know, it's going to affect you one way or another. I think some of the estimates say 90% of the people who were polled say um, they're seeing negative impacts or their life has changed to the for the worse um, and at some point in time then what do you take out of those high numbers at what point do you need to then go have some sort of treatment because you can't deal with it you know which seems to me like the numbers are going to be astronomical for people wanting to come in and needing to have some sort of ser services to help them get through this deal. Yeah. Um, so to the first part of your question or your statement about uh, the doctors getting together, you know, um, I think that's a great idea. Maybe that's something I will try and work on 
and see if we can't start something like that with the uh, mental health providers here in Kodiak, um, because that certainly would be beneficial, I think. Um, to the second part, you know, I sometimes see people who, for whatever reason, wait until things kind of get really bad for them before they reach out to come in and, and see somebody. And I'm not quite sure what that is all about. I think for one thing, there still is some stigma in our society about people with mental health issues, right? And so that, that prevents some people from coming in. Um, I think another part of the population probably thinks I can handle this. I can handle this. It's okay, I can handle this until the point where they can't. So um, I always say uh, contact us sooner rather than later because we can help you <laughs> and we want to help you. And you don't have to, uh, you know, struggle uh, with whatever is going on by yourself. I think, isn't it kind of normal for humans, though, to wait until the last minute and think that everything's going to get better? I mean, I, I remember when Captain Dave was in here the other day talking about help from the food bank and from the Salvation Army, that the same, he made the same type of statement, you know, don't wait until it's too late because we can't help you then. You know, some people mm -hmm. let their medical issues go until it's too late to... You know, it's, it's beyond the point where you can help it. So the earlier you get in and ask for help, the probably the less painful, more successful it'll be. Mm -hmm. Isn't that the, yeah. na the nature of us as people, though? That's what we want to do, pretend everything is great? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, that is human nature, yes. And, you know... Um, I would have to say I've probably been guilty of that myself as far as medical appointments. You know, I'm not a big fan of running to the doctor for every little thing that goes wrong with me. And sometimes when more significant things are going wrong with me, I still hold off going to the doctor, which is very ironic considering I work in a medical clinic. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes. so how do we how do we fix this? <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Um, but yes, my message to people would be, you know, you don't have to do this alone. And if you don't have people in your life who are supportive or who can help you through these things, then, um, you know, reach out because there are people in this community who want to help and who can help. So are you overloaded? Um, no, I'm not feeling overloaded. That's... I'm feeling like I have a lot of work to do, but I'm not feeling overloaded. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, how do you keep yourself sane? Well, so, um, so part of it is um, trying to, of course, eat right, sleep right, and get some exercise on a daily basis. That's one of the things I do. And that's one of the things I tell my patients. Um, it's really important to get outside and to do it every day. And, you know, in the summertime when it's nice out and it's light till all hours of the night, 
uh, that's pretty easy to do and it becomes harder um, when we start to get into these winter months and the weather is uh, very nasty <laughs> and, and there's not a lot of light it gets dark earlier but it's still really important you know um, I just say put on your rain gear dress appropriately and get outside get some fresh air uh, so I do that that's part of my routine um, I also have a dog and animals are very therapeutic. <laughs> um, <laughs> and also, um, I, I'm a pretty spiritual person. So I'm not a religious person, but I'm a spiritual person. And I lean on that really heavily. So the, let's talk about some of the, you know, some of the techniques then when you would use, you, you, you talked about kids and I think kids come to the forefront because um, the, the effects of the pandemic on them have to be pretty significant with, you know, uh, the social distancing and the distance education and the limitations on who you can see. Um, are, we, are we seeing a spike in demand for intervention with kids? Um, so I haven't seen a real spike myself, but I know my coworker works, um, with a lot of kids and I think he has seen a spike in, in that. So we have counselors at the school district and we have mm -hmm. services from the other, other places in town that offer services too. What, what kind of interventions are needed to get a kid back on track, you know? I mean, what, what kind of therapy, is it just what you described for everybody to sort of um, keep a more positive out, outlook, to do exercise and fresh air and, and um, some sort of services? I mean, is, is that enough or do we have to do something more specific when it well, you know, it really depends on the individual, right? Um, certainly, there are certain things that everybody can do that's going to improve their mental health. And those were kind of the things I was talking about that I do for myself. Um, but there are all sorts of um, uh, interventions that you can use um, with kids. Some of it has to do with helping them get motivated. Some of it has to do with um, helping them change their sort of negative thinking to more positive thinking. Uh, that kind of falls under CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. Um, some of it has to do with listening to what they're saying and trying to help them figure out um, what might work. So um, I saw a, a young man not too long ago who was really struggling in school. And part of the problem was he didn't feel he was getting enough um, interaction from his teachers, uh, specifically in two classes. I can't remember now what they were. It might have been math and something else. Um, and so in working with him and working with his parent, his mom, uh, we kind of laid out a plan of how to uh, 
work with the teacher, contact the teacher and talk about what was going on specifically with him and what kind of help he needed and, and um, kind of got that in place for him. And then we also talked about getting him a tutor, you know, to help him along also. So that kind of took care of that school piece, but there was still the social interaction that he was missing. And so trying to brainstorm ways that that can happen, you know. So a lot of that uh, has to be virtual, right? Yeah. So doing FaceTime with their friends or even I know it's, it's not the popular thing to say, but playing video games with a friend. No way. Via yeah. the computer, right? Yeah. So that type of thing, because they long for that contact and they want to have that contact. So um, that's one way. But then, you know, there's a whole other thing that you can do. So recently, in the month of September, um, my husband and I actually traveled outside of the state. We went down south. Uh, we did some traveling around for ourselves, and then we went and saw family. And um, that was a decision we made together about what are the risks and are we willing to take that risk? And, and if we're going to take that risk, then what does that look like? And what are the sort of safety precautions we can have in place to, to mitigate that risk a little bit? And we did all those things. And, you know, fortunately, neither of us contracted COVID. But we kept our circle very small. You know, we didn't go out to restaurants. We didn't go to big social events. We kept that bubble small. So, um, you know, there's a way, I think, to, to have some social interaction, but you have to think about what are the risks and what risks am I willing to take? And that has to be based on a number of different factors, you know? what is your risk factor? What are the risk factors of other members of your family? Um, you know, are there people who have asthma or COPD? Are they elderly? That type of thing. And looking at all those factors and then deciding, can we, you know, take the risk of possibly having my son go out and uh, interact with his friends uh, you know, one day a week or two days a week, if they wear masks and if they socially distance. Um, so thinking about things in terms of that too, because um, we need that social interaction. <laughs> Causes a lot of anxiety though. So yeah. is your practice changed at all? I mean, are you seeing more patients that are exhibiting behaviors that are are COVID related? Um, you know, I don't know if I'm seeing specific behaviors that are COVID related. However, what I am seeing is, it's kind of like, if this were a play and the backdrop was COVID <laughs> and we're acting out our lives in front of that backdrop, it's kind of always there it's kind of always present and people have a number of different ways of dealing with that uh, some people deal with it better than others 
I would, I'm getting ready to change the drop in the back of the set. You know, I, I, I think a lot of us are in that same place where I'm getting sick and looking at this COVID deal. <laughs> I just want to, I want to change the focus. And then when you do, you pretend it's not there. So how, where do you do with that? Because then you're not safe anymore. So <laughs> it just makes you go around and around and around. Um, what about the, you know, the social things that we were really concerned about with the increase in, in suicide, the increase in domestic violence and substance abuse are, are those kinds of things starting to creep into our lives at, at higher rates than they were before? Yes. Yes, they are. Um, I don't have any statistics on that, um, currently with me, but yes, those things are happening more frequently. And, um, I would say I have seen an increase in the number of, um, people coming into the emergency room with suicidal ideation. Um, the other things, domestic violence and substance use, um, those things, unfortunately, um, are more, I don't know what the word is I wanna use here, are more hidden in some ways. Uh, they usually have to come to kind of like a peak of something before we we know about them that doesn't mean it's not happening it's happening but we don't always see uh the numbers because um that doesn't always come forward until some uh catastrophic event happens yeah right Talk to, talk to me a little bit, you know, you alluded to it there with, you know, recommending kids play games, you know, and there's, there's always, there's been this fear of people that kids are locked into computers too much, but uh, social media seems to be having a, a huge effect on our response to this. Are you seeing social media issues with, you know, I mean imagine this is an addiction that's pretty hard to get rid of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, so one of my recommendations to a lot of my patients, not specifically kids now, I'm talking about adults, is that uh, they stay off of social media. And also, not watch a lot of news. I mean, uh, we need to be informed, but so much of our news nowadays seems to be um, very negative, and um, and and it's been that way for a while. This isn't something new. This is something that's been around for a long time, but also very uh, sort. It, it sort of plays on people's fears, it plays on the fears that we have, and it kind of helps to increase those fears. And I feel the same way about social media. It plays on people's fears, people's, um, you know, negative emotions. And so one of the things I often tell my patients, if they're feeling very anxious and part of it is because of what they're seeing on the news or what they're seeing on social media is turn it off, turn off the technology, at least for a little while. And, and don't get all wrapped up in it. So 
hard not to if you want to keep informed of things. You know, you, it's a go-to. Where Am I going to get it off TV? Am I going to get it off the radio? Or am I going to get it off my phone? And then the next thing you know, you are in that cycle of, you know, you're addicted to it and you want more. Um, yeah. 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 Um, are, are, are we seeing issues come out of the job market with the, the way the economy has gone and people not being able to go in to do their, their jobs anymore? Um, you know, I haven't had my finger on the pulse of that, to be honest. Um, but I do know that there are a lot of people who are not employed and there are a lot of people who are employed in different ways, right? There are still a lot of people working from home. Um, there's many people, um, well, I shouldn't say many, there's a number of people who have, um, because of all this, decided to retire. You know, they've worked at home for a while and maybe retirement was on the horizon for them, but they've decided to push that up a little bit because of everything that's going on. How, how do we deal, how do we all deal with the fatigue, you know, the, of the constant vigilance and the constant having to make those kind of decisions about what's safe and what, you know, it, it just keep, it, it doesn't look like this is going to end for any time in the near future and people are fatigued. Yes. They are, and it's not going to end any time in the near future. I'm hopeful that sometime in 2021, we might get a vaccine, and that would be great. Um, but until then, um, you know, dealing with the fatigue, reach out to your friends, reach out to your family, reach out to your mental health counselors, um, because sometimes simply talking to another person about what's going on can really help relieve some of that fatigue and a lot of the stress. That doesn't really cure it though. I mean, how do you stay vigilant, you know, and it, how do you get through the, the fatigue to continue to be vigilant so that you're safe? Well, <clears throat> hmm. That's a good question. Um, I would say for myself, this is what I do. Live one day at a time. Don't be thinking about far into the future. Just try to stay in the present um, and just do today. So for today, I can be safe. I can wear my mask. I can wash my hands. I can go to work. Um, I can go home, I can be with my family, and then when I wake up tomorrow, I can do all that again. But you um, got to plan for tomorrow. How do you plan for tomorrow if you're dealing with today all the time? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, therein lies the rub, right? There's the rub. Hi, there's the rub. <laughs> Uh, um, are you, are you, are you seeing, are, are you seeing, um, any, any issues in relation to the election? <laughs> oh my, come on. <laughs> we're, not, 
going there, are we? <laughs> no, we don't have to go there. <laughs> yeah, of course, there's a lot of issues related to that. Um, there. And and it's, you know, I think we're standing at a uh, interesting time in history. Well, let's go into something more serious here, because you do have knowledge of how many resources we do have throughout the community. And even though you have openings within your facility there for short-term stuff, for a lot of the long-term issues and the substance abuse issues, and I mean, we're seeing a real crunch on on uh, the what we have, right? And how are we coping with that? Um, so that's been difficult. Um, I think the, um, so in Kodiak, we don't have any residential treatment program, right? Right. Um, we do have a very robust um, substance outpatient program at Canada. Uh, Providence is um, revamping their program and hopefully that program will be back online and, and also robust soon. Um, but as far as like residential treatment, it's always been a problem in Alaska because there definitely have not been enough beds for the number of people who need them. Um, some of the places right now are um, a month out and some places are six months out uh, as far as waiting, people waiting, trying to get in. So, and that's never a good thing because people with substance use disorders are very in the moment people. So um, they might come in to the clinic today and say to me, I wanna go to treatment and how much I wish that I could just teleport them to a treatment facility yeah. and have a treatment by the end of the day, that's not how it works. And unfortunately, you know, as we walk through that process, um, trying to keep them encouraged and keep them on track, um, sometimes by the time a bed is open, they're gone. Yeah. I mean, how do you how do you do that? If you're if if somebody needs treatment right now, what do you do in the interim for somebody if it's not three months till three months down the road. I mean, I heard yesterday there's 152 beds or something, 152 people on a waiting list to get into a, a bed. Yeah. Um, so one of the things would be to continue to work with them here at the clinic, but then I would also be referring them to Canna and try and get them at least into an outpatient program uh, to help try to sustain that uh, desire to go to treatment. Heidi, is there, is there a lot of anger in our community now? Mm. I I wouldn't be able to answer that question. I really don't know. That's good. I mean, that means it's not coming in looking for, you know, you're mm -hmm. looking for an intervention on it. Mm -hmm. That's a good thing. So how are we doing? I mean, from your 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 point of view, I mean, it must be a bit different than everybody else's from doing being doing what the, that you do. But how as a community do you think that we're doing now? I think we're doing okay. 
One of the advantages we have living here on Kodiak Island is that we are a small community. And that, of course, and you've lived here for a long time, Mike, so you know, it has its advantages and it has its disadvantages. But one of the advantages is, is that even though our numbers are increasing as far as number of people who've had the coronavirus, um, it's still a minimal number of people as compared to other places. So I think that's one advantage that we have. Um, I think the community is doing okay. I saw some things over the summer that I felt encouraged by. So, um, you know, the events that they planned, um, sort of like a late summer crab festival, um, I thought that was pretty innovative and sure, it wasn't the usual, but um, it was what we could do in these times. So I think those types of things are what kind of keeps our community together, are those events, uh, however they're happening right now. Um, I think we're doing okay. I think we're maintaining. And um, we haven't seen a lot of um, closures of businesses. I know there have been a few, um, and I don't know what that looks like for the future, but I think for right now, we're maintaining. Well, let's close with you giving people a, like a, a little advice on how to go forward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny, Mike, because, <laughs> 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 because as a therapist, I always say, I don't give advice. I just try and help you work towards what you want in your life. And I try and give you pointers of how to achieve that. But the things I would say are this, you know, if you find that social media and the news are making you anxious, uh, pick one thing, one news outlet you're going to watch or one you know, one reliable source that you're going to access to keep yourself informed and try not to access all the other things. Um, get outside, get outside. You know, uh, we live on an island. It's, it's, uh, we have a lot of um, natural places that we can go that are easily accessible and you don't have to be right smack up against somebody else. So get outside, get some fresh air. Um, spend time with your family, uh, keep connected to your friends. Um, however, whatever that looks like for you, reach out for support. You know, if you don't have support, reach out to the people in Kodiak mental health counselors, the substance use counselors, the people that can help you because they're out there and they want to help. Um, uh, what else? Get plenty of rest. Try to eat good food. I know it's really easy in these times to be like, oh, it's so terrible. Let's have some more chips. <laughs> well, you have to, we pretty much have to cook for ourselves now, right? Right. <laughs> So trying to, trying to maintain a healthy diet is also very important. And, and um, connect to, you know, if you, if you 
are religious, if you are spiritual, connect to those things because that can help sustain you. I missed having you on, Heidi. It's it's always a, an adventure. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that it certainly is. That's the other thing I wanted to mention. Keep your sense of humor. It's important to laugh. Yes, we are living in hard times, but it's important to have a sense of humor and to have a good laugh. Um, <laughs> many times in the day as you can. <laughs> well, let's end it on that. Eh? Thanks for your time. I appreciate you talking to us. All right. You're welcome, Mike. All right. You have, have a good day. day. Bye. Back to Pam. You're listening to KMXT Kodiak 100.1 FM and HD. We're also streaming live on the web at kmxt.org.